Hey, what's up? Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors. The Raptors just beat the Knicks at MSG. It was a blast, and they did it without Pascal Siakam, Yuta Watanabe, and Scotty Barnes, who missed this game with a thumb sprain, did not matter. We're going to talk about all the reasons why, from OG Ananobi's career high to Ken Birch's really excellent performance off the bench and everything in between, all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Stick around. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1048 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can subscribe, follow, rate, review, do all those things you like to do to the podcast you like on all of your favorite podcast platforms for the low, low price of On The House. It's free to subscribe to and listen to the podcast wherever you get it. And also, you can go to YouTube and please subscribe there as well. And you can see my lovely face on video. Or maybe not lovely. It's up to you. I guess it's lovely is in the eye of the beholder. Either way, uh, please go subscribe to the YouTube page. It's very, very helpful. It makes me feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside and helps to build the show. So, Thank you in advance. And also, thank you for making uh, today's episode of Lockdown Raptors your first listen of the day, as it should be every single day. Uh, much appreciated. All right. On today's show, we are talking about the Toronto Raptors' 113-104 win over the New York Knicks. Bing bong. What? What are we talking about, bing bong? That's a thing from inside out. Ridiculous. Either way, bings were not bonged at all with the Knicks at MSG tonight as they fell 113-104 to your Toronto Raptors in what was a game that I was uh, resigned to the Raptors losing and totally okay with it when Scotty Barnes was ruled out ahead of the game with that thumb sprain that he suffered late in that game against the Pacers. We'll see if he's back on Wednesday. Apparently, he warmed up and whatnot. He had the brace on during the game, but uh, hopefully it's not too long of an absence for Scotty Barnes. But apparently, it doesn't matter because OG Ananobi and Sfima Luke and Kem Birch exist. We're going to dig into all of the best from this game for the Raptors. We'll dig into some interesting rotation stuff as well, as Nick Nurse had to go pretty deep into his bench with this one and uh, got kind of creative and weird. And some of it did not go super well. And uh, for one guy, Precious Achua, it might have been a game that lost him his job just as much due to him as it was due to Ken Birch and the way he played. We'll get to that later on. And I'm going to debut a new segment here. I feel like I've been kind of lacking in the benchmark segment uh, sort of category when it comes to game recap episodes. I really want to get... I find when we talk about games, we kind of go through our takeaways, and there's always one guy we kind of forget to talk about for whatever reason, and so that guy is now going to have his own segment at the back part of the show in what we're going to call the dude of the game, where we're just going to talk about a dude who did some good stuff, who maybe wasn't the highlight getter, the headline getter, or whatever the word is there. 
maybe wasn't the number one sort of uh, reason the Raptors won, but was key to a victory nonetheless. So that will be, or maybe just a key to the uh, a, a noble loss as well. This will be what we do after most recap, uh, epi- or in most recap episodes going forward. So due to the game coming up in the final segment of the show as I debut a new segment. But first, we should talk about OG Ananobi, a career high 36 points in this one, 13 of 27 from the field, really emptied the clip for the Raptors in this one as it was required of him with no Scotty Barnes available, obviously Pascal still uh, unavailable too, and some of the guys who you might you know expect to come in off the bench and fire away, namely Chris Boucher. Boucher didn't play a ton. I thought he might have a shot to play a lot in this game just because of the offensive you know, hole that Scotty Barnes left behind. And it's weird to say that Scotty Barnes left behind an offensive hole, but that's the world we live in, baby. Either way, Boucher didn't play a ton of this game. And a lot of the offensive burden was on the shoulders of OG Ananobi, those large bulbous shoulders. And he did a wonderful job. He had an incredible game. Not only did he score 36 on 27 shot attempts, got to the line seven times, but he also guarded Julius Randle for most of this game. And Randle had his moments. He had a really big first quarter. I believe he had 18 in the first Finished with just 22 points, though, and I thought OG did a fantastic job a lot of the times he was guarding him, but really, the stuff, you know the defense. You know OG's going to shut down whoever he guards. He was a menace once again, as he typically is, but in this game, the whole offensive repertoire was on display, and it was, like, legitimately star-level stuff from OG. Obviously, it's going to be a long time before you can sort of pencil him in and, and say he's the anointed one or anything like that. But this was a really promising game on the road to OG kind of figuring things out. We've seen him so far this season deal with the growing pains of being a number one option and having to sort of learn about how he can leverage his own gravity into success for everybody else. And he was just dynamite in this one. I'm just going to run through. I watched back all the buckets he scored tonight uh, while I was uh, getting ready to start the podcast here. I'm just going to run through all the buckets he scored and all the different ways in which he scored. I don't think he really repeated it. Maybe once he had like two catch and shoot threes. Other than that, a lot of sort of varied attack from OG Ananobi. So let me just run through it here. So transition post up uh, spin move. It was kind of like a like an improvised post up and transition. Either way, spin move dunk done. He had a catch and shoot three right after that. A drive by to the left and a blow by for a dunk. He uh, had a jab step with a step back mid ranger from the left side. He had a baseline spin into a floater. He had a catch and shoot in a pick and pop with Malachi Flynn, which was a very interesting play. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, transition. Uh, to, uh, I, I did a wrong typo here. He ripped through in transition and had a dunk uh, after picking up a loose ball. Steal, pivot, fall away dr- jumper with Julius Randle draped over him. Didn't matter. Beautiful. Uh, sorry, not steal. Stop, pivot. I'm reading very fast here because there's so many buckets to read through. Uh, catch and shoot three. He had a lob finish in the pick and roll from Fred Van Vliet late in the game as well, which was hilarious. He had an offensive board and put back through traffic. He had a pull up three, which was mwah, just beautiful stuff. He comes in with like eight minutes to go in the third quarter. The Raptors are hemorrhaging points. No, they're not really hemorrhaging. They're not scoring any points. They're giving up a small trickle of points on the other end. They're trying to stave off after Nick Nurse ran with his starters basically the entirety of the third quarter, trying to stave off that top of the fourth quarter with a bench-heavy lineup with Justin Champagne getting minutes, and they did a pretty admirable job defensively, horrible job offensively. Precious Achua, not so hot. Chris Boucher, very much the same. And then OG comes in, and his first possession in kind of lulls his defender to sleep, step back to the right, pull up three, 
cash, beautiful stuff from OG, superstar stuff, and then uh, drop uh, drop step back down and lay in over RJ Barrett late in the game as well for his 35th and 36 points. That's 13 buckets and like 12 different ways by which he found himself getting those buckets. It was just a really all-encompassing, excellent game from OG against like a team. Yes, the Knicks defense hasn't been incredible this season, and I think you can certainly punch some holes in their backcourt defense between uh, Evan Fournier and and Kemba Walker, but RJ Barrett is an excellent defender, and Julius Randle's a much improved defender, and those were the guys that often drew the OG assignment. Didn't matter. He was incredible. He had a couple assists as well. Probably would have had a few more if some extra, you know, catch-and-shoot threes had fallen down from some other guys. It just, if you're looking for reasons to believe that OG Ananobi can be some sort of number one option one day, which I don't know if I'm if I'm there yet. I think he certainly has the chance to be like a very good number two at the very least with his efficiency and the sort of repertoire he has. And the improved handle has obviously gone a long way to help that too. But if you think there, you have designs on him being like a top 15 player in the NBA over the course of the next few years here, top 20 players, something like that, this is the kind of game that makes you dream on that because he scored in a ton of different ways. He did it efficiently. Efficiently, He battled through really you know hard defense as well from the side of the Knicks. This was uh, just an all-encompassing, outstanding performance. The Raptors do not win this game without OG Ananobi going off the way he did. And you have to be really, really heartened with what you've seen and the way he's kind of progressed. You think back to those first couple games of the season, the 3 of 17, the 4 of 18, the difficulty just kind of you know finding his own shot now he knows where he's getting those looks he's not forcing things you're not seeing him force five six seven mid-range jumpers a game he knows he can find his buckets other ways and then once in a while when you really need it he can bust that out when the clock is down when you're hemorrhaging points and kind of staving off a potential Knicks run that kind of stuff coming out after those easy buckets where he just kind of knows where to go to get those easy hoops really really an outstanding game from OG top to bottom and he played 41 minutes which Boy, (laughs) Nick Nurse was not messing around. He wanted to win this game very badly. You could very much tell with the way he rode his guys in that third quarter. Uh, And and that actually leads me into sort of what I want to talk about next, which is the rotation conversation. The the rotation, I think, maybe is going to change up a little bit more now going into the next game. There could be a starting lineup change as a result of this game. And I I think a couple of guys from the reserve crew might find themselves in action a little bit more often going forward here as well. So we'll leave the OG and be praise and hype and love and all that stuff behind for the present moment. I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities to get back to that at some point in the future here, but we are going to turn our attention to the Raptors second unit and just the rotation questions from this game as, you know, the early part of the season, you still see Nick Nurse kind of tinkering and seeing what's going to work, how his guys are going to combine together. We will get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks and Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. So you can both bet on OG Ananobi and you can also make picks on uh, who else are we making picks on? We're making picks on Malachi Flynn, Goran Dragic, minutes play. You can make you can put your money down on that as well. 
Either way, uh, the DFS props that you get over at Prize Picks are the very, very best. And Prize Picks offer any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your use, all the users that deposit and use the promo code will uh, promo code NBA that is will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. So you put in 100 bucks, you get 100 extra dollars put on top of that for 200. That is math, and that is really good math that you get with Prize Picks. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries as well, so you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the very same entry and you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com, use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Shopify. Can you hear that sound? Well, I love that sound, and that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your own business. In case you don't know, Shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based so- software allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, our point-of-sale app and accompanying Hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify helps make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. Really testing my ability to say the word entrepreneurial, which I can't say in the best of times. Either way, I love how Shopify has the tools and resources to make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale reaching customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps including facebook instagram tiktok pinterest and more it allows you to gain insights as well as you grow with detailed reporting on conversion rates and profit margins and beyond go to shopify.com slash locked.nba all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to shopify's entire suite of features go to shopify once again today at shopify.com slash locked.nba all lowercase shopify.com slash locked.nba all right, let's continue on here and dig into the rotation questions for your Toronto Raptors that will certainly come out of this game against the Knicks. Uh, I guess we should start with Precious Achua and what happened with him. He was not good in this game. He played 17 minutes. He started. He got benched for the second half in lieu of Kem Birch, who was just dynamite in this game. I thought Kem Birch was outstanding and very much has earned himself a job in the starting five, I think. I- I've been on the fence about this on the podcast, kind of talking you through. I think there are pros and cons to who you start based on the sort of profile of players, both Precious Achua and Kem Burchar. I'm more so worried about Precious's fit with the second unit than I am Kem's fit with the starters. I think that's a pretty easy glove-like fit, as we saw tonight. But, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to think about ways to maximize Precious Achua, I suppose, too. But maybe that's not what you should be doing right now. Maybe Precious Achua 
is more of a long-term play here. He is very raw. He is extremely green, and I think that was on full display in this game against the Knicks. Just way, his whole body is too fast for his brain at this point. He's way ahead of himself, and he's just not making the high-percentage smart play basically like any time it's available. He's kind of head down. He's looking for his own shot, and when he is trying to pass, he's throwing weirdo, like, wacky passes where dudes are in the way, and he's often getting turnovers, uh, or forcing, throwing it into turnovers, that is, and it's just not working out so so well. So one of nine for Precious in this game from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, just a few, like, dreadful decisions as well. There was a point in that fourth quarter when the Raptors were trying to hold off the Knicks with that sort of uh, ragtag crew of dudes out there. And look, this was partly on Malachi Flynn, who we'll get to, who was mostly impressive in this game. But he sort of picked up his dribble late in the possession, handed it over to Precious with like four seconds on the clock. And Precious like looked like he was going to try to dribble, instead pulled up and then airballed by like five feet. He also picked up a travel earlier in the in the quarter. Just a really hodgepodge, not at all good start to that fourth quarter for Precious in a chance where he kind of had an opportunity to maybe win back some favor for Nick Nurse, considering the stakes at play at the start of that fourth quarter when everything was on the line. The Raptors were up 12 going into the fourth. They had just played their starters the entire stretch of the fourth. They stuck Fred back out of the floor for a little bit to start the quarter as well, which I thought was an insane decision. But hey, it worked, I guess, for a couple minutes to kind of keep things alive. But having Precious and Boucher out there together just did not work whatsoever. And I, I think it's pretty clear. We talked about yesterday on the show when we played that guy should play with Vivek Jacob. You know, Boucher, Precious, should, should one of them be in there? I, I think, honestly, at this point, wouldn't be shocked if both of them lost minutes when Yuta Watanabe comes back, considering the way Utah kind of fills the, the gap with of like decision-making and shooting. And Boucher and Precious are both kind of similarly all over the place right now. Precious himself... You know, the defense is not there. He's, he's flying around. He's not making the, the good defensive play. He's not sort of blowing up those lobs like he was earlier in the season. Kind of a, you know, he's, I don't know if he's a, like a total negative out there, but he's certainly not like a clear positive. And then Boucher is just completely lost. He was running around like Matt Thomas on a couple defensive possessions. He's a big man, and he was flying around like up to the perimeter, down to the corner, back to the paint as some guy's just walking by for a layup. You can't have that, especially in a section of the game where, Nick Nurse was clearly relying on that group at the start of the fourth to defend their asses off to allow for enough time to steal enough minutes for the starters to come back in and get the offense chugging again. And Boucher did not play into that whatsoever. He only played 10 minutes in this game. And both Achua and Boucher were rough enough that Justin Champagny got time in this game. And I thought he was, you know, pretty reasonable. He got five boards, which was nice. He didn't score at all, but uh, he got to the line for two free throws, but that was good. Um, and I just thought, like, defensively, he was just in the place you want him to be standing more often than Boucher or Achua was. And so of that sort of triumvirate of power forwards, or bigs, I don't even know what the hell position anyone is anymore, but I think Champagne was the best of those guys. And then Ken Birch, we should get to Ken Birch here. I was going to make him the dude of the game. I really wanted to, but I figured I was going to get to talk about him today in this segment. So we'll have someone else as your dude of the game in the final segment. But Ken Birch was outstanding and I think earned himself his starting job back with this game. Six points, eight boards, three assists, two steals, a block, and a plus 20 Pretty good-looking six-point game, as Nick Nurse said in his post-game press conference. Just a really all-encompassing, excellent performance from 
a center, which we haven't seen a lot of in these parts for the last couple seasons, but this was kind of the example of what I think the Raptors have been hoping to get from their centers for the last couple seasons. You don't need your center to be an offensive hub. You don't need your center to score 20 points a game for you. You need your center to do the little things, to be a connector, to tie things together, and that's what Ken Burch did in this game. He was incredible on the defensive end. He had like a few just enormous blow-ups of uh, potential lobs and you know sort of getting his hands in the in the muck and you know forcing forcing loose balls to fly away, forcing steals and turnovers. He had the two steals again. Like just totally active on defense, never in the wrong spot. We know that he can switch out and, and do that thing as well. Didn't have to do that as much in this game, but uh, just a really outstanding defensive game from Ken Birch. The offensive side of the board of the of the of the floor, four offensive boards, huge for him. Obviously, anyone who can grab offensive boards for the Raptors is uh, like a prince in Nick Nurse's heart because all those extra possessions are super valuable because they're not a terribly effective offensive team in the half court. So any any extra possessions are money, and he had four of them of his eight boards in this game. And, you know, passing's really nice, too. You know, he's a little bit slow sometimes making the reads, but for the most part, really makes the right pass. Like, he, it might be slow developing sometimes, and he's not going to make those advanced reads where he's, like, skipping it across to the weak side or anything like that. But from the middle of the floor where he's got lots of options, rarely is he going to make a stupid play. He had two turnovers in this game, but, like, they weren't really terribly glaring or anything like that. To me, just like a really perfect kind of guy to just slot into the middle of the team and just grease everything along. He is a good screener, which was a thing I was really noticing in this game. The Raptors don't have anyone who's a good screener outside of Kem at this point. OG can do it once in a while, and he did get himself that pick-and-roll uh, lob uh, finish in this game uh, after a pretty decent screen, but like Ken Birch is the only guy who like makes contact with the defender when he's setting a screen. You contrast that with Precious Achua, and my God, Precious' screens, like, he's not anywhere close to the guard he's trying to hit more often than not, and that matters. Like, it's not just, like, the motion of coming up. The point of setting a screen is to inhibit the ability of the defender to move with the guy he's guarding, and Achua's not doing that at all. Ken Birch does it quite well, and that little tiny thing... We've seen the Raptors have great screeners in the past. Jonas Valanciunas was outstanding at it. We know Marcus Gasol, obviously, one of the best screeners of all time, frankly. Those kind of guys, like, just being able to create that extra ounce of space for a team like this where every ounce of space is precious, no pun intended, like... Kem is essential for that because of the screening he brings. So I, as much as I've been kind of on the fence about, oh, who should start, who should, uh, you know, come off the bench, I'm pretty convinced now after this game, Kem should start. He should be the starting center going forward. Not really a question. He seems like he's back, back up to speed conditioning-wise as well, which is really great to see because he did look like he was running in molasses for a little bit to start the season. Doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. And Precious Achu, I think, has played himself out of the starting job. And honestly... I wouldn't be upset if Precious played himself into the starting center job with the Raptors 905 in a couple weeks. And that's not a bad thing. There's this sort of like negative connotation about the 905, and I know I kind of throw them around as a joke sometimes, but the way Precious has played, the way he's shown how he's rough around the edges, what better way to throw him in the 905 and let him go to work and gain that confidence and learn the touch around the basket, learn to make the right read... You know, there's only so much, I guess, you can teach some guys when it comes to, like, just basketball vision and sense and all that stuff. But in terms of just reps and getting the opportunity to make the right reads over and over, I feel like the 905 might not be the worst situation for Achua, even though it would probably be a bit of a tough sell after he started a bunch of games. 
the way you sell it is, hey, we're the Raptors. Look at the success we've had with our guys going to the 905. Look at the paycheck Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are in right now. Pascal Siakam started a bunch of games in his rookie season, and look at where he is now after having to go, having to go down to the 905 and playing in the 905 playoffs when the Raptors were in the playoffs. I, I think... The way Precious is played, the way the rotation crunch is seemingly lining up to maybe squeeze him out unless Nick Nurse really loves him and wants to ride with him, which is possible because Nick Nurse has still continued to speak pretty glowingly of him even through the struggles. I think maybe that's the best route here for Achua. And then you get rid of one of those questions, one of those sort of bubble guys when it comes to the rotation. It makes your life easier if you're Nick Nurse to assemble that rotation. Speaking of rotation stuff, well, just a couple more notes on this. Uh, Malachi Flynn played 11 minutes in this game. I thought he was, in the first half, really good. Uh, You know, three points, he hit the 1-3. I just thought he kind of brought a level of sort of uh, understanding of how offense works to the game. Very bluntly put, he just kind of knew how to run the Raptors' offense. He got into a really nice two-man game with OG Ananobi for the back part of the second quarter, where they were running pick and pop a ton, running pick and roll a ton. It was really, really nice to see, and nice to see OG kind of being used as that screener as well. That's going to be, I think, a big valuable thing. And and honestly, you know, when I've talked about how much I'd like to see the Raptors play small once they're healthy and roll with that OG Siakam Barnes front court, I know I kind of pencil in Barnes as the nominal center because he doesn't bring the shooting. And therefore, if you have space around him, he's operating in the the middle of the floor with the way he reads things, the way he can finish around the basket. It feels like a recipe for very good things. But if OG is also able to do that, and there's just like this sort of like constant onslaught of different six foot nine dudes being the screener and working in the short roll. That's really exciting to me. And, you know, we saw him pick and pop a little bit in this one and working off Malachi Flynn because Flynn just seems to understand how to run pick and roll. That was really nice. And honestly, you know, we've talked about how the Raptors don't do a lot of pick and roll. That's not really a big part of their game. When you have a guy like Flynn, whose main strength has always been running pick and roll, I don't mind adapting a little bit to the strength of your player and seeing what can work for him. And I thought he was really good in this game. Drove the the sort of the, the, the ball down the floor with just sort of tempo and um, sort of intention in the way that you're not often seeing from a lot of the Raptors guards. Even Fred Van Vliet can get kind of slow and plodding and he takes time to set up the offense. Flynn just goes. And, and I think that's a really effective thing. A nice little change of pace as well. So uh, hopefully we see more Malachi Flynn. He didn't do much in that fourth quarter stretch, but really that was just kind of like hanging on by the seat of your pants. Uh, <laughs> and I, I called it bubble guts basketball because my stomach hurt while I was watching it because it felt like the Raptors were going to blow it uh, because they had no offense on the floor. But that did not happen, of course. Uh, And a big reason for that is the dude of the game, who we're going to get to in just a second here and give some love to one Gary Trent Jr. There's a lot of candidates for the dude of the game in this game. It's a wonderful day to debut. It's going to lead to lots of debate as to who the dude of the game should be. If you want to comment on who the dude of the game should have been, you can talk about it in the comments down below. Uh, But we will get to that in just one second here. First, though, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season is here, and there are more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season, head to our new updated website or you can go to their uh, mobile website as well and you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just by using the promo code locked on all one word that means if you put in 100 bucks you get 150 to play with right away with betonline.ag from basketball football baseball the postseason is just about over but you can still bet on it you got the NHL boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports betonline is 
where the game starts. All right, let's round it out with the dude of the game, shall we? The dude of the game... This is going to be a new segment on the show after uh, most Raptors games. If it's like a horrible game where no one is the dude of the game, then that's totally fine. But this will be a recurring segment here. And I'll probably keep a tally of who is most often the dude of the game. Once again, let's go over the criteria of the dude of the game. Someone who we don't really talk about in the opening couple segments because their contribution is just like a little bit less sort of take inspiring or whatever it might be, but still was crucial to the game. And we should have takes about the guy. And that guy today, your first dude of the game in Locked On Raptors history is Gary Trent Jr., who was dynamite in this game. His defense continues to be outstanding, had four steals in this one. He was 10 of 22 from the field, took a lot of shots, a lot of that offensive burden that was being shifted from Scotty Barnes was, you know, obviously went to OG in large part with the 27 shot attempts, but Gary Trent Jr. took on a lot of it as well. Uh, He had the 26 points at the end of the night. He had three assists as well, two rebounds. And I think there were two things to really note from this game for Gary Trent Jr. One was just one particular shot he hit. He came in with about 6.45 to go, I want to say. Or actually, it might have been before that. It might have been just after that OG pull-up three when he checked in. Trent checked in along with OG to sort of stop the bleeding at the start of that fourth quarter. And he hit this uh, pull-up pull up mid-range jumper, just kind of doing the Gary Trent Jr. jab step thing and hit it. And I just thought that bucket in particular, right from just the top of the three-point, uh, right from the top of the free throw circle, that is, right at the nail, was a just a massive self-created look that gave the Raptors some breathing room and gave them some life and allowed them to go back and play their defensive sort of aggression and all that and know that there was a little bit more of a cushion after that kind of bucket. And this was, you know, this is a team that's going to struggle for those types of looks, right? You know, OG had a great night with it tonight. He's not going to have it every night with the pull-up game. But Gary Trent Jr. has the pull-up game basically on lock, and that is such a huge weapon for him. And I thought that was an enormous shot in this game. Kind of swung the momentum. Momentum's kind of a fake thing, but really swung just like the energy of that game and kept the Raptors very much kind of in control as opposed to maybe continuing to hemorrhage on the other end as R.J. Barrett hit every single freaking three. How how many freaking points did R.J. Barrett score in this game? Uh, <laughs> he just scored 27. He was 5 of 8 from 3. He's ridiculous. He's very, very good. He might be the best Nick. Oh, is that a hot take? Who's to say? But either way, um, Gary Trent Jr., that shot was huge. And also... Really interesting development for Trent uh, in this game. He had one pass that kind of exemplified this, but he was doing it quite a bit throughout the game, just sort of around this sort of area of the floor. He obviously has, when guys come to close close out to him on the three-point line, he has that sort of one step in and pull up. The Terrence Ross is what I like to affectionately call it because that was Terrence Ross's go-to was guy closes out, all right, I'll take one step in and I'm going to nail an 18-footer and that's no problem. Gary Trent Jr. obviously has that, but as he's kind of, added more sort of layers to his game and he's expanded his range of sort of effectiveness from just the three-point arc and the 18 foot like that ring from 18 feet to the three-point arc and beyond he's kind of adding his sphere of influence a little bit more inside and he's done a really good job of putting defenders on his hip and kind of leveraging the threat of his pull-up mid-range game into good things for on the floor. Either he's got a guy in his hip and he's got this little floater he's going to, or he's actually making passes and he's using the attention that's coming his way because his pull-up mid-range shot is so effective. He's using that attention, leveraging it into good things for others. And we saw that in particular with a play where he passed in like very close circles to Kem Birch. I don't know how he got the pass through. It was like a gorgeous pass. One of the best passes a Raptor has thrown this season, frankly. Got it to Birch. Birch finished the lay-in. 
And that just, I think, was a really good example. Maybe Gary Trent Jr. of last season or even earlier this season as he's kind of figuring out all these new tools he has, maybe he just pulls up in that sort of traffic-heavy, you know, 13, 14-foot range. Instead, he finds the outlet because people are selling out to stop his mid-range shot, and he finds Kem Birch. And I just think, you know, as he continues to hone his sort of counters, this is, I mean, this is what young players do. They realize they're good at a thing. They do the thing good. The other team learns, okay, that guy does that thing good. Then they respond, and then it's on the 22-year-old guy to respond in turn. And I think Trent's doing that pretty well here with, you know, everyone knows he's a good three-point shooter. That's obviously just sort of, uh, you know, canon at this point. And everyone kind of now knows he's a good mid-range shooter on pull-ups. And now teams are ready for that, and he is countering that. And that's really, really exciting to see. He might never be the kind of guy who gets to the basket and, you know, is like a, a down, downhill threat akin to like a Norman Powell who's just like a straight line driver sent from the gods. But if he has that sort of finesse game where maybe he's not quick enough to get to the rim, but he can leverage the threat of his mid-ranger to maybe put a guy in his hip and get closer to the rim, find a guy that he can find with a pass under the basket or whatever it might be kick it out to a shooter that's really impressive that's a huge thing to have for you know whoever is going to be your fourth option on offense if he can do that when he's put under duress that is an enormous enormous asset to have and I think it's been uh, really exciting to see Gary Trent Jr. kind of come along here with his uh, sort of overall sort of maturing of his game because last year not a lot of maturation at all it was just sort of Gary Trent Jr. doing Gary Trent Jr. things constantly just hand on stove never removing hand from stove and this year is a little bit more in between, a little bit more nuance, which is very exciting. And that leaves Gary Trent Jr., of course, as your first ever Locked On Raptors dude of the game. We will keep a counter of this all season long, as this is now a segment for the rest of time, as long as I don't forget to bring it back. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. And uh, that was a really fun game. More of these, please. I guess my final sort of thought on this game is that this is as bad as things are going to get for a while, man. They're 5-3. and three. They've had their struggles, obviously, but they really seem to be coalescing right now, and they are still missing Pascal Siakam, who is their best player, and Scotty Barnes, who might be their best player in short order because of how freaking good he looks. That is not nothing, and with the way they've already come together without Pascal in the lineup and the way they performed tonight, seeing OG kind of at the peak of his powers... This is going to be a good team. Uh, where they finish in the East, I'm not sure. But my level of optimism, I had them at 42 and 40 and, you know, maybe losing in the play-in or making the play-in and losing in the first round in five games. I think there's a little bit more in terms of ceiling here with this team that we haven't yet to see. Obviously still very early. We're a tenth of the way through the schedule. But there, did I do that math right? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> but that is a really exciting thing to think that this could be the baseline for what the Raptors could be over the next, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years, right? Like, we don't know how things are going to transpire, who leaves, who sticks around, but we know that the foundation is really, really promising. It's very long and limmy, and it is uh, really exciting to think about that this kind of first couple of weeks where there have been a lot of growing pains, a lot of stop and start, but have also had a four-game winning streak could be the low point of Raptors basketball for the next little while. Obviously, they'll have a slump at some point here or there, but in terms of big picture stuff, it's really, really looking good for your Toronto Raptors right now. And with that, we will leave off today's episode. I'll be back again tomorrow. 
And we have, uh, who's going to be on the podcast tomorrow? I'm not sure. We'll figure that part out. Uh, I'll, I'll book a guest. It'll be great. And then Ashley Docking is going to come on the podcast to recap the Wizards game. That'll be a Thursday morning podcast. And uh, yeah, that will do it for today. Huge thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, follow, tell a friend, all that good stuff. You can find the podcast free on all your favorite platforms and on YouTube, so please subscribe over there as well. And now, go make your second listen of the day, as, of course, Locked On Raptors is your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen. Locked On Fantasy Basketball's Josh Lloyd is doing a great job covering the early season trends over there. I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on OG's 36-point game and much more, and uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye! 